Today, I'm the Disney guy moving forward until Ryan proves me wrong. A lot of girls want to ride Miles Teller right now. Not gonna lie, that's probably a great idea. We gotta stop giving these ideas out without getting paid. The Magic Band has transformed into everything being digital. That feels like the no-brainer collaboration. Parlay is always a party. Let's go, Parlay. Just the two of us. What's up, baby? How we doing? Dun, 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 dun. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. All right, welcome back. Life's a party. Original crew. We got Ryan, <laughs> Paul, producer Drew in the house. That's about it. Original crew. Is someone gonna take over after we retire? No, I'm saying. Well, we. Just came back from three straight weeks of having guests on the show. Three straight, really dope guests. Fun episodes. I was telling you before the show, um, it's weird having guests on because we sort of had to take a backseat. Like, there's, we don't blabber as much. We kind of let the guests tell us about their life and their experiences, and we take a backseat, well, which is good. That's what good interviewers do. <laughs> interviewers, interviewees. You hey, know, better late than never. It's a it's a good combination. Um, you know, I really like us trying to have guests on the show and try to figure out that dynamic. And you know, we're big. We're both big fans of late night shows. Yes, and late night talk shows, and like those guys, those hosts who have a lot of uh, people they're interviewing on the show. And you know, I think it is a talent to really interview people in a right way, to not interrupt them, to not cut them off, to you know, to make them feel comfortable as well as continue their story and make them, you know, tell a compelling like tale, yeah. like whatever they're doing. So, so it's funny you brought up the Tonight Show because I wanted to bring up on the episode that I am watching a stand-up comedy documentary. Okay. It is about the Comedy Store. It's one, it's one of the most historic comedy clubs in the nation. It's in L.A. It's on Sunset Boulevard. Um, basically, anybody that you could think of who was a star, Jim Carrey, uh, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Richard Pryor, Michael Keaton okay. started here as a comedian. If you like comedy, you like stand-up comedy, go check out this documentary. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I had to pay for it. But it is so dope to see the progress. And it made me excited to come here, Paul. Because you watch these guys who start from nothing. Like Jim Carrey was 17 when he went to this comedy store. Or Michael Keaton. Who would have thought Michael Keaton started as a stand-up guy and turned into Batman? And it was kind of, it's just a cool story to see these guys start up doing stand-up comedy, grinding every day. They're on stage for maybe five minutes. They're working as the doorman just to get stage time. And the big thing back then where you brought up the Tonight Show, where it was right around where Johnny Carson was the big thing. And to get big in the entertainment business and to get stardom is you would hope for that opportunity to do stand-up on the Johnny Carson show. And to see where like Jimmy, Jim Carrey would get his chance on John Carson show. And then it, it would almost be like an overnight success where you'd perform on Johnny Carson. And then from that, that moment on, millions of people would see you. You would get your sitcom. You would get your movie, movie role. And then you would be star from there. But it just shows the grind. And it feels like we're progressing. And it sort of feels like we started with that grind. And it feels good to be here, Paul. It feels good to have a mic. feels good to talk up here and have an opportunity to talk to you, Paul. Thank you. You too, buddy. <laughs> We've talked about how... Honestly, all it takes is one big break, right? Right. And if you want to be a creator, if you want to be someone in the industry, if you look at uh, entertainment overall, right, um, what's kind of happening right now, and it all, all it takes is, you know, even TikTok, like all it takes is really one video. Well, that's what it was back then. Like, Just, yeah, right. You're that not going to really, idea. no one's going to find you really in that, even though it was a prominent comedy club, 
like Richard Pryor and, and Jim Carrey and uh, Michael Keaton and them. But once you get the opportunity on the Carson show, that's like the exposure we talked about in the previous episodes where you get more eyes on you and you've always been funny and you've always been good. You just need that recognition. Yeah, you need one shot to be like, oh, millions of people can see you. And then they're like, oh, we realize the talent that's in front of us. But and it, then you have all those other opportunities moving outward. You know what I mean? It's crazy on how much of the entertainment world back in the day was just stand-up comedy. Tim Allen. You talk about Bob Saget. These guys were all comedians, but we see them as sitcoms like Dad in Full yeah, House. yeah. Everyone started it like that. And it's funny, before I begin on, on with the show, is that uh, as the documentary progressed, it's like five episodes, it shows you how, how time has evolved and like how you can get your fame. Because then like the other regulars at this club later on and decades later would be like Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, Sebastian Maniscalco, Bill Burr, like these guys who were like regulars at the comedy club, at the comedy store. It's funny because now they're going more of a podcast route. Yeah. And then Joe Rogan... Starts at the comedy store, makes one of the biggest podcasts of all time. Now people kind of prefer to go on the Rogan show instead of going on Jimmy Fallon tonight and get an opportunity because Rogan has tens of millions and tens of millions and uh, of listeners more than the Tonight Show. So it's funny how the shift in entertainment world and how you can excel in entertainment world or get recognized has changed over time. I think podcasts are huge. So I saw this thing a little bit about podcasts real quick and like they're growing exponentially. Um, and like you said, I mean, honestly, us being two people from South Jersey, um, uh, putting a couple thousand dollars into some cameras, some nice audio equipment, like can make a podcast and you don't even have to start out that far. Like you can literally take your phone now. I've been watching a bunch of YouTube videos where people have really tried to dumb it down and be like, Oh, I use my phone. Well, Rogan and, was like on a couch yeah, next to Tom Segura in like 2005. So, Horrible quality. Yeah. 8,000 people watching. A lot of the times what I've been talking about more and more lately is like, I say content is king where it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Like we've like what you're using equipment wise. So like your phone, your audio, as long as it's okay, it's like the context of what you're talking about or what you're showing or what you're doing is more important than the equipment you're using or the things that you're, you know, you're trying to like showcase that video or, or, or in our sense, like our podcast. And I watched a a TikTok video where I was talking about podcasts where I was saying it was like 90% of podcasts don't make it past uh the third episode yeah and it was like or it was yeah 90 percent. and then it was like if you get to 20 episodes so once you pass 20 episodes you're technically in the one the top 10 percent of podcasts that's why because most podcasts don't even make it that far like 90 percent make it don't make it after three episodes and then um, you know, only like 10% even make it to 20 episodes. It's it's like a perfect comparison to stand-up because you guys not going to do 20 stand-up sets. It's it, it just like, no, I don't it know, is. it made me feel good coming here. It's like I have an opportunity. People back in the day, there's millions of comedians out there that fight for stage time. They fight for five minutes on stage so that they could share, so that they can get an opportunity on a mic for two, three, maybe five minutes to say their jokes or talk how they feel. And then we're just blessed with this opportunity, Paul, to come talk to people that like watching us, like listening to us when they work out or on the car ride. So we just got to appreciate the moment. You know what I'm saying, it's a Paul? It's a crazy change of landscape in the entertainment business and the entertainment world and the fact that like we can make our own content and don't need a distributor. Right. That's the biggest thing, right? Like the comedy club. You needed the, com- you needed the club to get somewhere. Like right. 
you needed the show. You need Johnny Carson to get somewhere. Now it's like, dude, if I can make something on my phone and put it out to the world, the only person, the only thing I need is the platform of either TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or, you know, Spotify, like the platforms, as long as you're good and you're putting out good quality stuff, it's like, there's no more barrier there anymore. That's literally like what you just said is literally what they said in documentary. Insane. It's like guys are figuring out now in this world of social media and podcasts that they don't need a TV deal to to get popular or get uh, page view, not page views, but get listeners in or watch their content. Like they can get that same interaction without giving up their freedom or giving up their their creative control. Like that exactly what you said is what they said in the document. So. Just wanted to shout that out, you it's, know? Yeah. No, and it's, it's also, not only are we, we created this platform, this beautiful set for like us to come up here and talk about shit and, and talk about Disney, which we're going to get to later. It's more of a Disney show. So stick around for that. Um, we could tell jokes. We say movie facts, but we also, based on the last three episodes, we're allowing other people, we're giving a platform for other people, artists, directors, influencers to come on. And now we hear how they talk about, it. so it's a dope platform. Nothing would be possible without you guys listening, so we do appreciate it. No, it's really cool to talk about how, like, we both want to be artists, but at the same time, we're bringing on fellow artists yeah. and get to, like, give them exposure as well as talk about it and, you know, hopefully learn more about the industries because, for example, our first guest, we'll talk about G a little bit. Like, I personally, I can speak for myself, don't really know a lot about the music industry. No. Um, so, and we don't really talk about music here on the show, so that was really cool to hear about his side. Um, something that he's doing, you know, I know Atlanta is really popping. Then you have like, <laughs> popping. it's popping. Yeah, a little sentimental start here. Going yeah. And then you heartwarming can... start to life's a party. Then today. you got Matt. We got Matt. Um, hopefully you checked out his episode too. It's it's more film based, uh, more movie based. And he talks from a filmmaker perspective, which is really cool. And like, I know about that industry a little bit. Um, and then you kind of move towards like what we're both trying to do. And you have Stash come on and Stash is a buddy. I met literally in the gym from a mutual friend and just tells you how connections are everything. Right. Especially with like, you know, just trying to like showcase artistry and being a creator and creativity. It's like, just talk to people because you'll find other people like you. And Stash was one of those people where it was like, okay, like, what do you do, man? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I just eat food on TikTok. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, and he, you know what I mean? It, it was really cool to pick his brain a little bit and see, um, you know, he, how he works, what he does, um, how he works with companies, which I think so many people are interested in nowadays. Yeah. Us included. It's like, how do you get a brand deal? How do you work with companies? What's the... What's your prices? Yeah, like all that stuff. What content are they offering? What are they sending you? Yeah, it's cool to go back and reflect on it because we had bang, 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 like three episodes of guests. And it's cool. Like when I when I watch podcasts, I like to see like, I like to see their thoughts on the guests after they have them on. Like Dave Portney would have like celebrity guests come on and then he'll be like, all right, see you guys later in Zoom. And then he'll talk about like, oh, that went well. And that was cool how he said this. So it is like, gee, I've seen him already posting clips of our podcast saying like, oh, songwriters are getting fucked in the industry. So he's at least trying that. I know he's got an album dropping. So, um, yeah, it's cool to, to see different perspectives. I know I've been out and about, and people were asking, like, who's that artist you had on? Like, they were asking about him. So it's just spreading some positivity, you know, around here. Uh, Matt, director, and how the, like, attention to detail it is. Yeah. On how an eight to ten minute short film took him two years, and he's not even done yet. So it's crazy that you got to kind of have that patience and that attention to detail. Yeah, and if you missed any of those prior episodes, um, definitely check them out. You have G did songwriting in the music industry. You had Matt who did filmmaking in the film industry, and then we had Stash doing um, content creating and TikTok really. So if you're interested in any of those three and you haven't checked them out already, you know check them out on our YouTube, Spotify, 
Uh, it means a lot to us, and it definitely means a lot to those guys who came on the show. So. Hey, hey, give us a follow over on Yeah, uh, absolutely, baby. Go, go That's what we're here to do. Go subscribe on YouTube. Let's try to get to 2,000 YouTube subscribers. Give us a thumbs up. We don't push the thumbs up enough because that does help you on YouTube algorithm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So we do we do appreciate the thumbs up, and maybe send a nice little review. Say, hey, Ron, I watched episode 95. You look very cute in episode 95. Uh, I would really appreciate that. We're, we're matching Men in Black today. Just, you know, the classic. Do you like the Men in Black movies? Um, That's a Disney film, right? No, they're no. Sony Pictures, actually. Oh, they they had the ride at uh, Universal. Universal, but I mean, we'll, you know, so as Ryan said, a little tease. We're talking a huge Disney show today. I know a lot of our Disney content does really well, and I've actually looked at a lot of our episodes. If you look at our full podcast episodes, the Disney Universal ones always do like numbers. Yeah, they do. do they People do like numbers. entertainment. People like the theme parks. I love the theme parks and. Um, something really interesting about Universal a little bit uh, before we get to Disney is like if you look at a lot of their parks because um, they do a lot of partnerships and deals with outside studios because they don't have, you know, as of this moment, they don't really don't have a lot of properties and they've been building on that stuff. And Men in Black is one of them. One of the best rides at Universal Studios Florida is the Men in Black ride. It's like a shooter game and you, you fight the aliens and, and that kind of thing. But so, Men, yeah. So Top Gun, right? Okay. What studio is Top Gun? Paramount. Can Universal go and like buy Top Gun yeah. IP? So or it's not IP. Yeah. So Paramount. Yeah, it is. It's IP. And then they'll be like, okay, uh, let me buy Top Gun IP so I can make a Top Gun ride at Universal. So not why don't gonna, they do that more? Often? Not gonna lie, that's probably a great idea. Thank you. I should work for Universal. If you know, if anyone is listening, that's probably a great idea, and I bet you someone has probably pitched that idea. Um, already. <laughs> not as good as I just did. So. Yeah, I mean, Universal, for example, they they, really they do a lot of things where it's like, um, no, you didn't really pitch the idea. You said, hey, Top Gun. <laughs> Probably a ride. Yo, Top be. Gun. It wasn't like, hey. We want to make you a ride. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, we got this idea for, no, you were just like, hey. A lot of girls want to ride Miles Teller right now, I'll tell you that. You know what's great? Well, I want to I get back I want to get back to the theme park real quick, but I did see his wife post a TikTok. She's getting petty, bro. She's getting petty. She's like, hey, bitches, like, that's my man. I'm married to that man. I have all these dope videos with him on vacation. Please stay away. Like, she is, she's like. Claiming her territory, Mrs. I mean, Teller. Honestly, that's it's cool. It's like she's showing it off. Everyone's like, I love your man right now. I'm super attracted to him. And he's like, she, he's mine. And she's showing him off, which is which is awesome. So <laughs> it's funny. So funny. Uh, and she's like, oh, oh, you guys are just I'm not just creating content, putting these videos out because of Yes, you are, Mrs. Teller. You <laughs> are. Mrs. Teller. Mrs. Teller. <laughs> but no, even even if Top Gun a little bit, dude, I was um, you know, Miles Teller, it's the stash. Yeah. And everyone was doing the stash and everyone was, you know, I'm not going to lie. I had three of my buddies all went down the shore last weekend, all shaved. They all got the stash going and they were rocking the Miles Teller look from Top Gun. I don't know if the girls like, I don't know if the girls like the stash. I think they like the persona of the, the maverick. Yes. And the guy who's in the military and shit. The stash just comes with that. You can't just rock a stash and be a fucking guy that works at Best Buy. <laughs> you don't know you could be you could be though <laughs> you could but, be you no could but be. these the theme parks with universal in general they're licensing those properties so pair uh they could do that paramount you know universal talk to paramount get a top gun ride in i honestly think it would probably fit amazing in your parks um and they're probably gonna make a third one would they ever would they be able to take like a scorsese film and be like hey can we buy this so that we can make a ride out of it if they wanted to i mean not gonna lie there are a lot of things happening where like men in black i feel like is you know, it's an older brand. I was going to ask, like, what's the most outrageous universal IP that almost doesn't fit in with the park, if that makes sense? Um, I think... Every, like, Simpsons was Fox. 
Simpsons is Fox and now owned by Disney, but their deal actually runs out soon. I think it's 20, not soon, but it's like 2028. So like I, they're going to have to do something or they're going to have to pay Disney a crap ton of money to keep that land if they want. Does Universal have an IP roller coaster? Uh, yeah, they have Velocicoaster, which is from which is from you know, uh, which is from Jurassic World, which is a Universal property. But then you everything Harry Potter is all licensed through Warner Brothers, Warner yeah. Brothers, and now Warner Brothers Discovery, which is the new company they merged or Discovery bought Warner Brothers. Like what they did? Yeah. Oh jeez. Um, so that's a big thing. But like they bought them, so now like everything Harry Potter is is a licensed property that Universal doesn't own, but. Like, Warner Brothers doesn't really have their own theme parks. They have a licensing deal with Six Flags, which they do the Looney Tunes, and yeah. then Warner Brothers comic books. Or, sorry, uh, DC Comics, uh, which is under Warner Brothers. And then they also have a park down in Australia called Warner Brothers Movie World or Warner Brothers Movie Park or something. I forget what it's called, but it's a theme park in Australia, which is really big. I started following them on TikTok. And they're, like, so funny. And they have properties, all Warner Brothers properties, like Scooby-Doo, Austin Powers, uh, The Matrix. Like, you know. Yeah, you know, but those are aging out, Paul. They are. They are. And that's the thing. You bring Top Gun in. is an older brand, but it can be brought back. And Universal would be one of those companies that say, hey, let's do that because they just don't have that many properties of their own. And that's why right now, if you don't know this, um, in Universal Orlando, in Universal Studios Florida – they they have the Minions ride, yes. that Despicable Me ride. Yeah. So the ride across the, the little street there was a Shrek ride. They took down Shrek. It's rumored right now to be another Minions ride. So they're going to have two Minions rides. Well, Minions rides. are still making films. Makes sense. Which, yeah, aren't they coming out with a new Minions Literally film? like next week. Yeah. Minions, yeah. Makes uh, sense. And the first Minions movie, you have the three Despicable Me films, which are great. Then you have literally a Minions movie, which made over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And then now this is a sequel, um, which was come out like two years ago, but they pushed it back. And they're building a second Minions ride right across from the first one. They just closed one of the restaurants down the sh- like very close to the two rides. They're turning it into a Minions cafe. So it it's makes gonna be, sense. It's going to be like a little Minions Miniland they right there. They should do that. Didn't you say it's like the highest grossing Illumination movie or some shit. Well, that brand, Despicable Me well, yeah, in general, is, is their bread and butter for Illumination Entertainment, and like you know, they're trying to make other things. But it's the same idea with Pixar. Like Pixar is going to be known for Toy Story, and that's their brand, bread and butter. Yeah. And then you have Illumination, which is going to be um, Despicable Me and the Minions. All right, let me know if this is a stupid idea or a genius idea. I don't know. You're coming up with it. Probably stupid, but go on. Who invited this guy? Who's this guy? Who, who invited this guy? All right. Well, you, I might shock you here, Producer Joe. Okay. What if Universal reached out to Netflix and got like a Netflix IP and had like a little Netflix land of their Netflix original series? I like that idea. It's a good idea. But so, the problem is that they're like Adam Sandler series. So you have to kind of. <laughs> that's not a good land. Absolutely. I would not visit the Adam Sandler land. What I'm getting to here is we're going to have an Adam Sandler <laughs> land. What? You could have mini golf, you could have a hockey uh, thing. All right, that's not what I was getting at, but so, you, so, you, you buy so stupid. Net- I was right. <laughs> <laughs> you buy Netflix IP, you create a Netflix original series, land. you could have like a Stranger Things. So that's that's what I was going to. The tell Stranger you. Things does seem like a good. Would idea. that not be so dope? So the best. I don't think pro- you need to buy all of Netflix for. It. I think just no, get the you, Stranger Things IP. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for being with us and learning how <laughs> properties like that work. Um, no, but like you would, you know, you would buy or you would buy the the theme park rights. The licensing for Stranger Things. Now, Universal has a very popular thing that they have. It's called Halloween Horror Nights. Mm-hmm. I did it once. It's awesome. Um, it's basically like 
you know, they have haunted houses. Um, they close the, it's a private event. Well, it's not like a super private event, but it's after the parks close. This is at Universal's, um, Universal Studios Florida in Orlando, Hollywood Horror Nights, and they usually have like nine houses. They're all uh, themed around an IP or they're an original property from Universal. And a couple years ago when the first Stranger Things came out, they had a Stranger Things house, which was around, um, you know, the, the, the TV show. Yeah. And I could see that now. I have Now, I haven't watched the new Stranger Things season four yet. Me either. I'm waiting until part two comes out. I'm going to binge the whole thing. And I've heard that oh, this season— take a while. Yeah, it's, it's a long <laughs> show right now. No, I mean, I've watched season one to three, but um, I know this season is very, very, like, horror. Uh-huh. Um, it's super scary. Horror is dark. It's very dark, and I think people were talking about it. They're like, yo, you should bring back Stranger Things to be a haunted house this year at Halloween Horror Nights. And I'm like, that's a great idea. But honestly, thinking about it, bringing in, like, I would, like, you could do a whole nostalgia. The only problem with that is it's very, like, heavily based in the 80s. And I think Stranger Things, you could have, like, I don't know. I think it'd be cool, actually. You could have a set that could be yes. that like could old, be old-fashioned um, arcade. You could do a nostalgic part of the land, so the land would be split. Land would be split into two places: nostalgic, like '80s vibe. You could have like a little mall area, like they did the Starcore Mall. You could have some old arcade stuff, right? Yeah. And then you could have the second part of the land could be the upside down. Mm-hmm. Fire, like the other dimension. Oh, so good. Yep, I like it. There you go. Stranger Things. Uh, Wait, I haven't land. seen it in a while, but wouldn't it? Don't you, don't you don't you have to like go through that t- capsule again to the upside down? Well, you would go through like a portal, right? That would so be same fucking idea. so yeah. fire. We gotta stop giving these ideas out without getting paid, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. I have uh, I have a Disney question. Okay, as we're transitioning, to, uh, I think we're gonna do the best changes Disney World has implemented in the past decade, Paul. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Disney a little bit and um, their past. And there's been a lot of change to the parks, and I think that a big reason, you know, is Universal. Yeah. Universal's really been stepping up their game down in uh, Orlando, Florida, and um, I think you could see that. And for the first time, really, I think Disney has been um, has to counteract the movement from Universal, where most of the time they've been the leader in the theme park industry. Right. Um, sorry. So my question. What's your question? Uh, this buddy? may be very dumb. Okay, I'm just gonna preference that to start off with. You love starting. I know yeah. it just is because it's gonna make me seem like I'm not the Disney guy. You're not, and, and it's gonna come off bad. But so when we talk about these fun facts, right, with uh, Walt Disney and how we have we have that light on and is and they leave that light on for yes, us. yeah, that stems back to Disneyland, correct, and not Disney World. So does the nostalgia of it not being Disneyland? Not transition well to Disney World, if that makes sense, because all the original and all the OG and all the historic shit that happened happened in Disneyland. But they try to transfer it to Disney World, which is a different location. Well, you could say that about every Walt Disney Park around the globe, right? Yeah, but for me, I like the historic feeling like you went and saw where JFK got assassinated. Yeah. So it's almost like you're just moving that setting or that kind of distance to a different state. That's a it little, doesn't hold the same nostalgia. That's not the, yeah, but that's not the best comparison. One was a historical event that happened <laughs> at a place, and the other is an idea, right? An idea of magic, an idea of family, an idea of together, and like it's and, a theme. And, well, yeah. yeah, I get that, but where it's like, oh, Walt stayed in that thing. It's like, no, that's a replica of when he stayed in Disneyland. Yeah, but it, I mean, I could see where I could see how you feel that way, but at the same time, it's more <laughs> of just like the idea of like. You know they're recreating a place, and you sh- you know you kind of know that already. No, I just I was just thinking that. But yeah, they didn't want to be a Debbie Downer on this. No, situation. I mean the only 
park that Walt was ever at was Disneyland, and yeah. it was you know before because he, he never was, saw what Disney. He World never opened. got to see the uh, building of the Magic Kingdom. So, are you like itching to go to Disneyland? No, that's weird. That's where the nostalgia is, Paul. I wanted to go to the West Coast. I've just I'll get there eventually. Dude, we'll go to Disneyland, and then we'll go to the Comedy Store. There you go. I want to go to Universal down there too. That'd be a dope trip. There you go. All right, so let's get into the best changes that Disney has come up with over the past decade. Uh, the first one is the mobile order, Paul. I remember when you came back from your trip, you were like, dude, this mobile order saved me so much time. It was much more convenient. Uh, so basically, you can order lunch or dinner from anywhere in the park. Choose a time when you want to go pick it up. Go grab it. You don't have to wait in those long lines anymore. Uh, this can help your time management because time management is, is of the essence in Disney world because you want to have your whole day mapped out and you don't really take into consideration the lines you're waiting just to get some fucking food. <laughs> so getting the, uh, the mobile order was game changing. I think a lot of the implement, like a lot of the changes you'll see Disney has implemented in the last like 10 years as we're going through this list is like, you know, people are more willing to go to Disney. They want to experience the theme park, which you know, makes it a larger crowd and then makes it longer wait times and makes it more crowded. And it's like, okay, like how do you as a company figure this out so you still make the day good for your guests and that they're not always sitting in a line? Because at the end of the day, if they're sitting in a line, and this is why I've talked to you, this is why FastPass exists. If they're sitting in a line, they can't spend money on other things in the park. And then they are, like you said, they're a little more, you know, they're not as happy. So a mobile order is just the next thing. And I think it helps you know, a lot of ways where they can prep the food. If it just comes in, they could prep the food and you have all these cooks in the kitchen, like actually get the food cooked where like you're not waiting for a cashier to take the order. So, so your experiences with the mobile order have all been successful. I think most of them have been, I can't, I don't remember too, too much. I've seen a lot. I follow a lot of people who vlog Walt Disney world. Universal does mobile ordering as well. Um, I think it just came with COVID. Honestly, I think it was like a thing where, they wanted uh, people to not be as close, to not gather in these yeah. long lines for the food, and that all the um, the touchless, you know, the touchless contact places. So it was like, oh, if I can just order on my phone, then I don't have to be next to someone. And then, but it does help out because it's like, oh, if you're in another land, or if you're, you know, um, you want to go, oh, I want to go do this meet and greet with the character. It's like, oh, I can go put my order in, and it'll be ready in 20 minutes. I can go do the meet and greet, and then go get my food. Um, but I think it just really helps the. The flow, the, the restaurant. I think it helps the flow, and it helps. Uh, it just tries to make people a little happier by not having to wait in the line. But at the same time, one of the big problems I can see is, I mean, I and I even feel this way going to the parks. Is like I hate having to be on my phone all the time. Yeah, and it's like your tickets on your phone now, which we'll talk about a little bit. Your fast passes are on your phone. You have to order on your phone now. It's just like I was going to say, like, oh the, my gosh, what you'll see consistent with this list is that. Everything almost involves your phone and like technology, and that could be good and bad. Like some people want to go to Disney World to get an escape from reality, basically. But are you truly escaping from reality and enjoying the moment if you're having to do everything on your phone all the time? I know. Like it's, oh you're oh you're walking around Epcot, but you got your mobile order. You're missing the site here. You're missing the the ball. Like you're missing things around you as you're trying to get a fucking twenty minute pickup across the park. <laughs> yeah. So I get it, but you'll see a trend in this is that they're using a lot more technology. The idea really for the mobile order is to get your food to you quicker, to, to not have you standing in line. 
Uh, and then contactless still uh, payment as well. Everything goes right through your card, which is great. Yeah. Um, next one we got here, we're going to, you know, this is the magic bands. So although Disney world stopped offering free magic bands to guests in 2021, I think, I still think it is actually one of the best things that they have added to the parks in the last decade. Um, because I mean, I've talked about it too. And we, like I was showing you got a magic band here on the set. We have a cool little thing that, uh, was made to, uh, made for us. Uh, that helps light up our entire set here that if you scan our magic band, just like you would scan your magic band to get into the magic kingdom or any park in Walt Disney world. Um, so it kind of adds a little bit of magic for us here on the set. And, but it does so much. It gets you into the park. It's your park ticket. It gets you to do your fast passes. You can put your credit card on it so you can pay items with it. Um, it also gets you into your, your hotel room, um, as your key. So, that way you don't have to be worrying about your credit card, uh, your park ticket, your hotel room key, right? Like everything's on your wrist. Um, it's super simple. You just scan it. And that's why I really like it. So a couple questions here. So in no, you're noted that they're not, well, you didn't note it. I will note it because <laughs> I'm the Disney guy. They're not free. No. They were once free. Uh, that's my first question is like how much do they cost? And the second question is why would somebody or why would a family not use or take advantage of the magic band so like what's their uh their argument in not buying them so they're expensive so like these ones that i can show you these were complimentary if you before 2021 if you stayed at an on-property disney world resort you got a magic band mm -hmm. and it was just free it was only like a five or six colors they were super basic looking if you go into the stores in the parks you have a bunch of custom ones. You have limited edition ones. You have like so many different things. Yeah, you my girlfriend buy, right? makes it a big deal on her, her. She's picking her magic bands a big deal. So I think right now, I think they're like 30 bucks. I'll just say if you're paying that for 30 bucks. I, I got the price no right you. here. I got the prices yeah, right what are here. The, prices? the basic ones that don't have any design, just a color. Those are 20 bucks. If you have a Disney character or any other icon, it's 25 bucks. And any limited editions can be upwards of 50. God yeah, so damn! So up to fifty dollars. So if you're not using that, you're using a card. You can use your phone. You can you can actually yeah. use your phone to unlock your room now. So I, now I did that last that's time not worth it. If I'm gonna go magic ba magic band round, I'm probably gonna do the custom fifty dollars. Well, yeah. I mean, the magic band now because it's not included. It's more of like an accessory to your overall outfit in the park and your field. Yeah, because the, the people make the shirts. They have their custom shirts. They're they custom their ears. Cus yeah. There's it's like, you know what I mean? On. Like, imagine be like, oh, I really like my Cinderella ears. I'm a big fan of Cinderella. It's like, okay, why don't I get a Cinderella like uh, magic band and I complete the outfit and I'm in character and I'm in the parks and like, drip oh, too hard. I know, drip mad too hard. <laughs> but that's just something where drip like, drip mad too hard. <laughs> Cinderella drip, bro. Cinderella, baby. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, whatever. But I, I really liked it because what I really liked about it was that I didn't have to go get my ticket. I didn't have to be on my phone. I didn't have to be, I have my credit card. I could just do it. And that was the main purpose why magic bands were even in, uh, integrated into the parks was that the concept was that if you had everything on your wrist, you wouldn't be paying attention to your spending habits and families would be spending more because you can put like your kid, right? Like this is what my mom did. I remember I was like 13 or 14. And this was when the Magic Bands first got introduced around that time. And um, her credit card was linked to my Magic Band. And the thing is, you have to, it's a four or five digit, digit uh, 
four-digit pin code that you have to activate the band, just like if you were doing a debit card. Same idea. So if I lost my magic band, somebody could just pick it up and scan it. You need the um, pin. The pin. And my mom would be like, oh, she, you know, we were waiting for the fireworks. And she was like, okay, she was sitting there. She had our spot for the fireworks. She's like, you know, I'm like, I want a popcorn. I want a snack. Polly like, Popcorn wants a snack. Polly Popcorn, that's what he wants. And I, I need like, a snack, Mom. You know what I mean? The fireworks are going off. I need a snack. So she doesn't have to worry about her credit card being lost. She can just be like, oh, go get it. Put it on the band. And I already had the band on my wrist. I go up to the stand, <laughs> scan it, do the pin, get back with a popcorn, watch the fireworks. Life is good. <laughs> and that's a party. What they, life's a party, baby. And that's what they thought people would do. And unfortunately, it just wasn't happening. Like, the return to them wasn't really, you know, occurring with the money. So... Whatever. It really kind of sucks because they obviously were trying to make a quick buck out of it, but now that it's not really a thing, it's but kind it, of a luxury to have one. Though. So the the idea of a quick buck is is crazy because they actually spent two billion dollars implementing yeah. it in the parks. Because if you really think about it, it was every cashier, like it was every cashier had the magic band thing. Every park entrance had thirty um, gates with the magic band. Every hotel room. Had to implement the magic, but yeah, like it was an, it was a two billion dollar thing at the time, and I think that was over ten years ago. So it was just like it was an insane thing that they w- set out to mm-hmm. do. But at the same time, I really see Disney as the the trendsetter and like the theme park leader, and I could see that makes so much sense to be like, oh, this is the next step for us, right? It's like making everything more digital, making everything more tech savvy, yeah. and then in in um, in response, they were like, we could get more money out of it. So it made it worthwhile for them. So you're talking about the fireworks show. Yeah. And little Pauline wanted to go get popcorn. Hell yeah. I saw a cool tip that I saw about Disney. It was I like saw Disney, that tip too. I saw that Disney tip too. tips. It's like when you go go to a fireworks show, you should go pick a seat or a section near a curb. Because if you stand near a curb, you could stand on the curb and you could see around the taller people. Or you could see through or maybe over the dad with the kid on the shoulders. Or you could pick a spot near a trash can. Do a fireworks show and you can lean on the trash can. Or so no one's in front of you, right? Well, yeah. Or you if just, you're like behind the trash can. You just have or something you, to lean on and rest on during the fireworks show. Is that go. what you saw? No, I saw one where it was like, don't wait for the prime location of like the fireworks. So I've watched the fireworks oh. literally like in front of the rope. Like I've so watched it literally as close as you possibly could. I've also watched it towards the back, but I've never watched it down Main Street, like all the way in the back. Yeah. Um. And this girl was saying, "Hey, like go to the back." They were like, "Wait till the because honestly, say the say the fireworks are like nine o'clock, people start lining up at like seven o'clock. Yeah. Like it's crazy trying to find a nice spot. So, you know, enjoy your day there. Don't worry about your spot. And and then when the fireworks are about to start, go all the way back uh, at the front of Main Street and watch the fireworks from. Um, from like a long distance because yeah. they added they actually they actually added projection mapping on the stores on Main Street. So now there's like an additional show that if you are right in front of the castle, you're missing that extra element now, and then you don't have to worry about see. You still get a really you know it's fireworks. They're huge. They're up in the air. Like yeah, you know you being a hundred feet back isn't really going to change it. So uh, that was a cool little tip that I saw. So piggyback, uh, piggybacking off of the Magic Band, and I just thought of this just now, our next thing is that what people thought that, or what we thought, that one of the best changes Disney has over the past decade was the My Disney Experience app. And basically, I think Paul's explained on the show before, but it's like everything that you like in an app, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's just a, it's a what you would you know think about as a, an application for Disney World um, that shows you wait times, 
that you can add your dinner reservations on. You kind of like organize your itiner itinerary on, on this there. app. Yep. So my question is, is you're talking about the, the issues with Magic Bands or whatnot. What if Disney World kind of partnered with Apple and the Apple Watch where people can kind of incorporate the Magic Band as an Apple Watch with the My Disney Experience? That feels like the no-brainer collaboration. So, great idea. Yeah, I'm good at getting good ideas. You're really good. They invented that a long time ago. <laughs> Did they? Really? It's already done. Yeah. I was actually going to say that would have been such such a fire. Great thing idea. To do. It's been thought <laughs> Just of five years late. So yeah. So why isn't it something that is more talked about? Though? Um, but no. But so if you're um, you know, if you have the My Disney Experience app, you put your ticket on the app. Um, you could, you know, your hotel can be hooked up to it. So that's the thing. The magic band has transformed into everything being digital because the way the magic band works is that it's like a, a chip reader. Yeah. So just like your phone, how you have Apple pay, you can like scan it up to the, um, you know, the cashier and it'll pay for it. It'll with your credit card, that whole like chip. It's the same thing. There's a little chip in here. And now instead of doing that, it's on your phone. So you hook up your ticket to your phone, your, my Disney experience app, it can open your hotel. You can do the uh, the ticket to the park, and with your Apple Watch being connected to your phone and the app, you can actually um, just scan in using your Apple Watch now instead of a, having a Magic Band. So my question is, they just don't promote that. I mean, I guess they don't. I don't really see it, but it's like if you have an Apple Watch, you probably know that, or someone at the gate has probably told you like a cast member is probably like, Hey, did you know that you can actually use your Apple watch to like scan in? If you, if it's like connected to your phone and it's like, okay, cause I yeah, was cool. thinking, cause that's like a replica of what's in the park, right? The, the gift that the guy made us. Yeah. And producer drew, like he's like the tech guy and he's always trying to figure out ways around the certain shit. Like that's just what he likes to do. That's true. He likes to be difficult and find different ways. He can, he can, uh, basically jailbreak things. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, you don't have to use the magic band to set that off. Right. And you could use this fucking, Toothpick, and it sets it off. <laughs> I actually use my own watch because yeah. It's, so well, it's the it, same concept where like they, I guess they made it and realized, oh fuck, people can use Apple watches now, and then they're well, gonna so find could, out on their own that they can actually just incorporate their Disney Experience app with the Apple Watch on well, the scanner. And well, it's, it's yeah. another thing when I was when I was in Disney, I could actually open up one of my rooms just using my phone. I would be, I would click a button and say, I want to open my room. And then my phone would become like a magic band and I could put it up and open it. Well, that's what they do. That's what I'm saying now is you don't need the magic band to do that because the technology is there where you can use your Apple watch. You can use your phone now. It's just a chip. So it's like, if you connect it to anything, yeah, it'll it's on open everything. any of those services that were only provided 10 years ago using the band. Yeah. Cause the magic band isn't doing anything more special, special than what we have on our phones already. But right. the My Disney Experience app, I think it's really good. I think other, I mean, other theme parks have also done it. Universal has their app now. Um, even like the local theme parks, like around us, Hershey Park has it. Six Flags has it. Um, Cedar Fair Parks, like Dorney around us, has it. Um, they're you know they're not as advanced, but the My Disney Experience app, I think, is the best theme park app that you can have. And I think that's because of um, you know, it has everything you want. You can add your ticket to it. Uh, you can link up with your friends to set uh, reservations for fast passes or now uh, Disney Genie Plus uh, times. And the best thing about it is wait times. You know, no matter where you are in the park, you can watch a wait time. You could also sign up for a dinner, dinner reservation, which yeah. is really good. Um, How or, many stars does it have on the app? I don't know. I'm a big stars on app guy. If it doesn't I have a lot of stars... It. It's not a good app. And now the mobile ordering, something Ryan talked about too, right? Yeah. That all the mobile ordering goes through that application. Or mobile check-in. It's true. Which Very is true. the next one. 
Yeah, mobile check-in. <laughs> Great segue there. Uh, mobile check-in. Back in the day, Disney World, you might have thought it would be nice to bypass the hotel room check-in um, and just go directly to your room. Fast forward to today. That is a reality with the Disney World's mobile check-in. I mean, Using, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But using the My Disney Experience <laughs> app, you can check into your hotel um, with not even visiting the hotel lobby. You get a message when your room is ready, and then you can use your Magic Band or Magic Mobile to unlock your room door. This is especially nice when you get to the room later at night. I'll tell you what. I don't understand why, or if you know the answer, please tell me, on why any hotels anywhere just don't have mobile check-in. So most do. I'm not going to lie. They do? Now. Like yeah. When I go to Lang City, I don't think I was ever able to mobile check-in. See... Where'd you say you were? Uh, where did I say I was? Like, where'd I stay? No, Atlantic City. Okay. Okay. No, I've been to a bunch of places recently. I've been to Nashville. Um, most Hilton hotels, Marriott hotels, big brand like um, hotel chains. You can do everything on your phone now. Just like you can uh, do airport stuff. Like if you want to, um, you know, if you're trying to check into your flight, you yeah. check in your flight online. You do it on your, your phone now. You can do the same thing with hotels. And I think that's really nice that Disney does that, but I think it's even better that everything, as we said, is in that app. It's like a all located in one spot. Why don't you think? So, <laughs> why don't you think airports have come up with a more surgical uh, way to get people through, like TSA and like bag check? I've not gonna lie. I went through. Um, I don't know. Was it Disney? No, I was in Arizona. I was in Arizona in April, and um, not gonna lie, I think the airport's pretty sufficient. I like I unfortunately there's just so many people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, depending on the time you get there, like dude, it, you could fly through. It, like really it only is like it's security and then you're at the gate. Like we like, always, like we always talk about like watching people set the blueprint. Like who sets the blueprint on what works? I I just thought of this analogy of like why don't I airports probably look directly at theme parks like Disney World for blueprints on how to how to manage mass crowds or how to how to make things quicker. Like I would think when you think that airports look directly at Disney World for like how can we more be how can we be more sufficient? Like that gets brought up in business means like what's Disney doing? Well, I think I, or I, just everywhere. I agree. I think anything dealing with hospitality as a overall It's like you said like Disney is right? like the the, the mecca of like how to manage a lot of people in a small area. Not a small area, but um, in a, refined, line, in a yeah. line formation. Yeah. yeah, it's just a lot. It's like I mean, and we're gonna talk about this um a little in a little bit. But uh, what do we have? Oh wait, yeah, we have. Oh, we have a bunch of stuff. But even like um, <laughs> do we? Oh shit, we do have a lot. What's it called? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you talk, if you talk about like how to how to manage people, I mean that's something unfortunately would happen with COVID. But Disney ended up finding it that it was to their advantage. Um, we can go back to our bunch of other things, but this is something with, um, uh, the Disney park reservation system. Yeah. So, we get, let's just talk about that. So a lot of people hate the Disney park reservation system. A lot of people like it. Can Disney, you explain what that is? Yeah. So Disney loves it because kind of sounds it? like you don't know what it is. Disney guy. Yeah. Disney guy. You don't know what this is. I don't. Oh, <laughs> guess you're not the guess. Okay. So today I'm the Disney guy moving forward until Ryan proves me wrong. I'm not interested in the park capacity. I let's just fill that bitch up. <laughs> Let's just fucking make people happy. So that's, but that's the problem. I'll be working right? the front gate. Please, the fuck, come in, everybody, anybody. See, that's the problem, though. If you have so many people in the park and you can't handle it, that it's like too many people, that it's it's not enjoy, it's not 
enjoyable. enjoyable for everyone else. Come on in. We're not the magical place in the world. We are the crowdedest place in the world. But Come on we, in. We've talked about it before, but the first day at Disneyland, right? They sell they sold counterfeit tickets. Really? <laughs> yeah. And there were so many people in the park that it was overcrowded because there were literally fake tickets that they sold for the opening day of Disneyland. <laughs> And that's the problem that they're having now where, like, right now because of COVID and people want to go on vacation now that the, the world's returning to normal, that last year there was a massive spike in um, travel in general and, like, uh, theme parks and those, like, entertainment industries. Um, so, what, so what is this? Park pass reservation? Yeah, so I'm, I'm getting there, bro. I'm, get, I'm getting there. Are you getting there? You got you to <laughs> explain. Well, no, there's so many people coming back, right? And that's the point where during COVID – Disney decided they were going to implement this park reservation system that they wanted to know what the percentage of people that were coming into their park was in comparison to their capacity. Because COVID regulations were only like, hey, you can only have 10% of people of capacity in the park, right? You have to stay six feet apart, 10 feet apart, whatever it was. And then they just – over time, as things got better, they would um, increase their capacity level. So it would be like 30%, 50%, 70%, and then whatever. And the idea was that you couldn't just scan into the park. If you had a ticket to Disney World, which a lot of people have, or you have a season pass, um, you can't just randomly scan into the park anymore. They don't do that. They won't let you in. You have to have a reservation. Be like, oh, I went online, and I have a reservation for today for Hollywood Studios, um, and it's all good. It's all clear, and then I'll walk in. And that way, Disney can see how many people – Enter the park, which they could already by people scanning in, but they can see how many people enter the park each day, how it works, what do the crowd levels look like, what is their uh, food industry, how much food are they selling, how much, uh, what are the wait times, what is, you know, like everything that way. And they can control how many people they want in their parks so that they can maximize how much money people are spending in the parks, how, um, that there's not too many people in the parks to overcrowd it, so people, to make people, uh, you know, unhappy or it's just like they want to make sure that the day goes the best it can and the most um, fluid it can. And by limiting the amount of people into the park each day, they can control so many other different circumstances. When did so they like, have this implemented? I was going to say, like, how During new is this? Well, since 2020, people have been bitching like, oh, Dizzy doesn't have their shit together. It's a mess. That feels like they have their shit together. Well, it's like they're oh, we're not yeah. wasting food. We have the perfect amount of food because we could see who's flowing in here, uh, how much people are coming in, how much people are coming out, who's on what rides, like what 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 spaces or what locations or parks are overpopulated. How can we fix that? So these people talking shit that Disney's not figuring shit out. This is a great idea. Like, what's the negatives in it? So the negative, the big negative of this is that it takes a lot of spontaneity out of a vacation and like. Well, so hold I, on. Is this still an? Is still, yeah, it still, still happens. Really? Because when we, because when me and my buddy went, it was uh, late 2020. We actually went there. We had the ability to go to two parks at any point in time, and two parks is as much as you really need to go to. Well, you can only day. so the idea now is a park hopper. You can you have to you have to go to your park reservation. Like I was at Disney in, in December. No, it wasn't reservation. We could. I'm gonna almost tell go you, there. dude. It, uh, there's no shot. It wasn't. Dude. They've been they've been doing it literally since they have not. They've never gotten rid of it since 2020. And maybe I can tell you that really? maybe maybe so unless somebody signed it. up for something His and you mom. didn't know. But I'm telling you, since 2020, they've I, done I would it. assume we signed up for it because that was something yeah. that was told to me at the beginning. Like we can go to two parks in one day. But at any time you want rather than whenever it says we need to go there. So, yeah, their main thing is you have to go into the, the park that your first uh, your reservation is for 
And then once you scan into that park, after 2 o'clock, you can go to another park. So that's also limiting something now, too, where, like, before, if you had a park hopper, which kind of what pisses me off is that it goes, your park hopper used to be like, oh, I can literally go to any park at any time during the day. And that's why I'm paying this huge price for that. I agree. Ability. And now it's like, hey, you're stuck at that park until 2. You can't leave. Like, Mm -hmm. you can leave, but you just literally can't go to another park until after 2 o'clock. Um, and that sucks. Like I, I agree with the people in that. Cause if you, Oh, I have to be here till two, but I don't feel like doing this and that. I remember one of my favorite days of senior trip. We went on the Disney trip and me and like two other buddies, we were like, yo, let's see if we can go to every park and see how fast we can do that. But we wouldn't be able to do that with this new implemented reservation rule. Cause you'd get to the front gate and they'd say no. Yeah, that's crazy. Let, so they, they don't let you in. that's kind of fucked. Like you, like you said, you're paying all this money and now you're like, now I'm treated like a fucking experiment rat. Where it's like, oh, I can only go here. That's like babysitting almost. It's just annoying because if you're paying that ticket price and like you want that. And as I said, it takes the spontaneity out of your trip. Yeah. Like you have to plan more. Disney is becoming more and more complicated to plan your trip. Um, it's a lot of stress because one, you you have to book your one, you have to book your park reservations just to get in the park, which I'll tell you a story about a disaster in a second. But you have to get in the park. You have to do your um uh uh, dinner reservations. If you want to eat anywhere good at Disney, like any sit-down restaurant, those reservations have to be made so far in advance, like months. Yeah, mo- oh, months in advance. And um, at the same time, like you have to plan to be at that park, right? So you're like planning your trip. It's like, okay, I'm here seven days. I have to basically months in advance. I have to plan what park I want to be at, which day, which restaurant we're going to, when we have to make those reservations. And this adds an extra element just of adds just so hassle. much just so much to it and you're like, it's like dude it's like oh fuck I, like i had this all planned out three months ago we were gonna be at uh epcot here and eat here but now we can't we've got to be out of here by two like it's just like holy it's fuck. just a lot um it's added a lot of stress where universal you know literally right down the street does not have a park reservation system um people love it they haven't had any issues with capacity i know it i know it is smaller but they haven't had any issues and no other park in Orlando, really in the world, does that. Um, I don't know if – I think Disneyland still does it. And the thing is, too, which is crazy because um, we actually have a follower. This is the guy, like, who does Disneyland photography. Disney Picks or whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah. Def- Disney um, Flicks or something? I forget his name. He does – He does. I think it's Flicks. He wears a yellow shirt. Okay. No, no, that's Rich. That, that's, that's Rich, Rich Flicks. Flicks. <laughs> that does – yeah, he does stuff in Orlando um, uh. at Universal. Um, but there's a guy who does photography I really like at Disneyland, and – I follow him on Twitter and he was talking about how like he had a park reservation uh, for Disneyland on like Sunday. He ended up getting into like a car accident and he was in the hospital. And the thing is, he was so scared because if you don't scan, you can't cancel your reservation. If you don't scan into the park, Disneyland will lock you out for 30 to 60 days. And you what? Won't, really? And you won't be able to make another park reservation because you skipped your reservation. And like that's such a big issue because example, like he was in the hospital and it's like if he is a pass holder and pays yearly yeah. a large sum of money to be a pass holder, to be able to go to the parks whenever he wants, and then he's locked out for two months, yeah. it's like, dude, what is going on? Like, it's just not a great system. It, it's got to be a veto system or some shit. Like, send a picture of you in the hospital bed. And we'll <laughs> I think we'll see if we get you reinstated. I think in a world where we can click one button on Amazon and have something delivered in two days, I think Disney is really starting to restrict things. To the point where it doesn't seem like, as a customer going into it, I feel like I have any sense of control over it. It seems like there's so so much more work because we're in a world where we click a button and it does something. Now we have to do so much work in advance 
to plan out just because, you know, they won't do it for yeah. us. So whether people like it or not, Paul, I'm going to leave you with this question. Do you think it's worth it to have that implemented? The, the reservation, reservation I don't like it at all. No, not personally. So, like, take your personal opinion. At, well, I guess oh, I'm asking your personal opinion, but I'm telling you not to answer it personally. Opinion. Um, so, like, I'm telling you to look at it as a third party, basically. Okay. So, yeah, I know you're, you like to go to the parks and you want to have that opinion. But at the same time, I want you to take into account the Disney Corporation opinion of it as well and their outlook on it. So from a Disney perspective, if I was a C- or if I was the CEO of Disney, I could see where it makes sense for them. But at the same time, is it is creating such not worth it. It is creating such animosity in the Disney fans and your loyal fan base and your loyal uh, people that pay so much money every day and every year to go to the parks and buy all your merchandise. And they're literally so pissed at you because you've taken out so much of the fun and the spontaneity of the trip with this massive planning. And like everything is digital and everything is on your phone. And it's like for them, they're just trying to make at this point, they're trying to make so much money and they're trying to nickel and dime you and get the most amount of money they can out of your trip. And it's like, you know, it's just, so, it's just crazy. No, no, <laughs> no. I think, I think from a, uh, uh, higher up standpoint it makes sense but it's becoming so bad that it's becoming a negative uh, representation on the company which is hurting the company as a whole uh which makes it bad nope uh can i ask one more question before we get out of here yeah um have they like i haven't been to disney in a while like a long time but have they upgraded their like transportation from hotels or uh to the parks yeah, so we haven't, we didn't have this on the list. There's actually, there's always like that thing where it's like people always have to give up their seat to like, well, I'm not complaining that I have to give up my seat to like a pregnant lady or a kid or some shit, but it's like, I feel like it's Disney World. You shouldn't have to do that. You should always have a seat on the fucking monitor or trail. I mean, on the uh, buses. Bus. But that's what you're talking about, right? There's a lot of people. You're just, I mean, yeah, you, whatever. But uh, in terms of transportation, there's transportation and there's one other thing I want to talk about. Um, but, uh, Disney a couple of years ago, I think it was 2018 and 2019. I want to say 2018. They added the uh, Disney Skyliner. Yeah. So the Skyliner is really cool. It's their newest mode of transportation. I love it. I've never been on it. I've seen it, but I, I was never able to get on it. Um, but it's you know like a it's a Skyway system and it's connected to a few on property resorts. Um, it connects you to Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. and. Is it Epcot too? Yes, I believe it's Epcot. So I think it's Epcot. We only have three other options. Uh, (laughs) I know. At those two parks, it does um, Pop Century Resort and Caribbean Beach Resort. And I think there's one or two more um, locations. And I think their eventual plan is to expand it and just keep going to the resorts. I think it's a really cool mode of transportation. It helps the buses out a lot. Um, It's different. It's a little more, you know, it's modern. It's uh, unique to Disney, which I think is really, really cool. No traffic. It's also uh, a lot cheaper than adding monorail stations. Uh, to build a monorail, I watched videos on like how expensive it would be to extend the monorail line, and it's just like it just doesn't make any sense for Disney to do it. Unfortunately, even though how cool it is, and like if you could connect all th- four theme parks with the monorail and never had to get off, like that'd be sick. It would be amazing, but it's just it's just way too expensive. Um, so transportation, I think, really good. I think they've added a lot of good stuff in the last ten years, transportation wise. Um, last thing I want to talk about, we can just add all this up into one. We kind of had three different things, but this is new attractions and lands in the Disney theme parks. We had Pandora, the world of avatar, which is in animal kingdom. We have toy story land, which is in Hollywood studios. And we have star Wars galaxy's edge into Hollywood studios as well. So there are the three brand new lands that have been built in the last couple of years. 
Um, and they've all pretty much been a success. And I think they've all been a success. I think Pandora's the most successful. I think then Toy Story Land, and then I think Galaxy's Edge. Um, I read I read yeah. that like uh, Pandora was something that people didn't realize they needed, but then when they got it, they were like, "Fuck yeah!" This I always I needed this in my life. It's like that saying where like you didn't know you needed it in your life, but you have it, yeah. and you're like happy that you have it now. I kind of got that vibe with Pandora. It's like who the fuck wants that? And like, was it the Avatar? Right? Yeah. So it's so like who the fuck wants Avatar Land? But then once you see it and how cool it is, it's like. It's Thank be, God we have it's, this. It's very well crafted. It's yeah. very beautiful. Yeah, I think that's just... It's like it, an unexpected success. It's unexpected, and it, what's awesome about it, and I like this, is that it fits so organically into Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't think it does because it is a mystical element, and it's based off of an IP, and, like, Animal Kingdom is very grounded in, yeah. like, realism and um, real-life animals and nature. But at the same time, like, if you look at it, Animal Kingdom was originally built to have three main ideas and lands when it was built in 1997 the three main ideas were animals of today which is what we got animals of yesterday which is Dinoland usa which they have and then uh animals that never existed or animals that like you know are mystic and they had a thing it was called beastly kingdom and it was supposed to be another part of the the uh the theme park that just never opened was supposed to be an expansion um later on and it was supposed to have like unicorns and griffins and like it was supposed to be mystical elements, right? And mystical animals and that kind of thing. It just never happened. And then um, someone had the idea was like, oh, like there's Avatar, right? Like I think Avatar would actually fit into this very well. And they've always wanted to do that. And then when they eventually did build it, it fits very organically into the main mission statement of Animal Kingdom when they built it. And um, it does add to an IP, so it brings some traction there. And then now what's even better is that Disney bought Fox, and now Disney owns Avatar. And they're currently – Avatar 2 comes out, you know, December. Oh, shit. And they have Avatar 3, 4, and 5 planned what? to make. So you That's have a property wild. that is thriving, hopefully will be thriving in the next 20 years. Um, and if you haven't gotten to Pandora, dude, it's beautiful. And one of the best rides in the entire Walt Disney World Resort is Flight of Passage. It's like get on it. Damn. Yeah. So. I know Pandora was a big one where it's like people didn't expect it, but they're glad it happened. And uh, it's like, like soaring on steroids. Yeah, that's it's what I heard. so, so good. So adding new lands, adding new attractions. Um, Disney's still doing a bunch of that. We just got Guardians of the Galaxy and Epcot. Epcot's been doing a big um, overhaul, which, you know, is really well needed. And hopefully, you know, we'll get done in the next couple of years. It's been forever. But um, and you have even Tron. You have Tron coming to the Magic Kingdom which is really, really great, and it's pretty much done. People think it's going to come out maybe in October. It's the beginning of Disney's fiscal year. Um, it's October 1st, which is their anniversary. Um, so hopefully we get Tron this year too, and Disney has been adding a lot to their parks, and I think that is, you know, as you said, with other IPs and Universal, and they have competition, and they want to be the industry standard, and you got to keep updating. You got to keep progressing forward, and they're trying. They're not doing the best job. Their CEO kind of blows, but they're doing some stuff, so we have to, you know, Hey, better, the, than, hey, the better, more, better than Cinemark. The more yeah. content, I mean, the more projects they create and the more land they build, the more content they give us to talk about. <laughs> Another Disney episode in the book. So if you like this episode, give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe. We know we get some Disney frontrunners who will only come to watch our episodes for Disney. Check out the other stuff. We got some other dope stuff. Uh, full circle moment here. We're, we're, we're coming full circle. We're coming along. We're going to have a lot of success in the future. Some things are starting to click for us, Paul, and we appreciate you guys. We couldn't do it without you guys who watch, listen, follow us on TikTok. 
so there's a lot more on the horizon for Life's a Party, and uh, we're excited to see where this takes us. Yeah, hope everyone's having a great summer. Live it up. Party it up, as always. Music, take us out. Peace. Later. Your mom, your mom. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Your mom. All right. Everyone sounds great.